Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career with myself, Cameron Blackwood, my co-founder, Colin Riddell. And today our guest is Nadia Zhuk. How are you doing, Nadia? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Absolute pleasure to be here today. Great to have you. And how are you doing, Colin? I'm great. This is a really, this is really exciting to get a guest back on the episode. We've not had a guest episode in a wee while, so it's going to be really interesting to hear all about uh, Nadia's experiences and how she got into tech and stuff like that. Just dead keen to no more yeah absolutely so um for viewers and listeners who who aren't familiar with you do you, do you want to give a bit of a rundown about uh, your story and um how you found yourself to be in a position where you're both a software engineer by the day and also as well um a immigration coach which is a really interesting uh, side business to have yeah i know so uh in my previous career i was actually a journalist so uh coding is my second career i transitioned into tech um it's been four four years ago, yeah. So um, I taught myself to code at some point. Didn't go to a boot camp. Didn't go to college to study CS. It was just me and my computer and books. Um, basically, me against my computer trying to learn the stuff. Um, then I've spent a couple of years working in tech. Uh, first, I moved to Poland for my first uh, tech job. I was actually originally from Belarus, so I started working. Um, as a developer in a new country for me. So I combined moving to a new country with starting a new career, which is which was pretty extreme, I would say. And then um, last year, I actually made my second move from Poland to uh, the UK. And before that, I lived in other countries as well. So I think that the topic of immigration has been very dear to my heart for a very long time. So I am I call myself an immigration geek. And I also like to joke that when others travel, I immigrate because Honestly, I don't really travel that much, but I do immigrate quite a lot. So, um, yeah, uh, both the interest in immigration and tech, they are kind of intertwined uh, in my life. And I see also that immigration for a lot of software engineers can really give a boost to their career and take their career to a whole new level. So I think that a lot of software engineers are very interested in this stuff. And I've seen an enormous amount of interest in this topic uh, whenever I post something about it online. So um, I'm very glad to help people answer their questions. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds really exciting. And yeah, I, I totally agree. One of the best ways to uh, kind of have a, have an enriching career is to go and work in other countries. I've only done it briefly myself. I've done some work in Germany and, and some work in Czech Republic. But, um, you know, I've really enjoyed those experiences. And I think, I think it helps you understand... Um, you know, processes and, and different businesses are much better because it is amazing how much different business culture is uh, in, in each country. You would think in the modern day that, that they're actually fairly homogenous, but it's not the case at all. I mean, what, how, how would you say work culture is different between UK, Poland, Belarus? Yeah, I would say that this one, this is one of the topics that I've been mostly interested in this year, um, you know, since I've moved to the UK and since I've started thinking about this stuff. So the book that I read is called uh, The Culture Map by Erin Meyer. And this is the book that totally transformed the way I think about culture differences. I think that when I moved from uh, Belarus to Poland initially, I didn't really have that much of a culture shock. So my integration in the Polish society was very easy. I found the language very easy to learn. So I speak Polish fluently. Uh, and overall, the culture for me was very easy to understand and get used to. The work culture, I think, was very similar to what I would expect. So I didn't really have that much of a difficulty getting used to the way things worked in Poland. Um, it was pretty straightforward for me. But then when I moved to the UK, uh, the UK was 
it did feel like a completely new world for me in a way. So I didn't have a chance to visit London before I relocated here for good. So when I came here to work and live, it was actually the first day that I've ever visited London. So a lot of the things here were very new. So it took some time to get used to the way things worked here. And in terms of work culture, I would say that the British culture is clearly very different from uh, Eastern European culture. But here, I think the additional level of complexity comes from the fact that um, London is a very international and very diverse city. And my team uh, at work is also very international. So we have people from all over the world, from Belarus, Argentina, France, Sweden, Great Britain, a couple of people, uh, China and, you know, in other countries. So you get a whole mix of cultures in one team. And the thing that I initially didn't quite understand is that you can't really, you know, as you mentioned, you would expect that we live in this globalized world and things are more or less the same. It's not true at all. So we are still very different. And the way we work, the way we give feedback, the way we uh, perceive time is very different between different cultures. And if you work with people in different cultures, you really do need to invest time into learning about how their cultures work. This is something that I didn't do when I moved here. And this is something that I, I wish I have done because I had some, I think, issues around communication with colleagues that I didn't really understand what was happening just because um, it's very hard to understand that something is wrong if you're not aware of how things should be uh, in a way. So there were some moments where I think that knowing about the cultural differences would have made such a big uh, difference in the way um, I communicate with colleagues and the way I achieve my goals. So since I've read this book, uh, I've been talking a lot about this with my colleagues. We've started discussing those things. And I think that this has been a very big change for, for us as a team. And in general, I think just being aware that people are different, that people work in a different way, that people communicate very differently is very important because it can have such a big influence on the on how efficient your team is. But also it can kind of make or break a career in a way, because, for instance, an example that I like to use is that if, for instance, you come from a culture where you are used to people giving you very direct negative feedback, which is true in a lot of Eastern European countries, uh, and then you come to a country where people aren't really used to giving direct negative feedback and uh, Great Britain is certainly kind of closer to this scale, to this part of the scale than, for instance, Belarus, then what might happen is that your boss might be actually giving you negative feedback and might be trying to guide you towards improving your work. But this feedback would be so subtle that you would never actually pick up on it. And what might happen is that only during your performance review, you will be able to, you will hear this feedback that, you know, um, you don't really react to feedback and you don't work on your skills. And then it might be too late to change course. So it's it's kind of a good example of why those things are important and how they can really influence your career. That sounds really cool. That's really interesting. So the interesting thing for me, from my perspective, is that in my experience, um, I've never worked um, I've never emigrated or I've never worked in another country for an extended period of time. Um, so I've not really had the same like trials and difficulties with like culture adjustment uh, that, that you have. And But it sounds like this book is more than useful to people that are even in my situation where they've 
for example, I've worked in teams that ha- that are made up of lots of different cultures, even though I'm not the one moving into a different culture myself. So it sounds like that book could be really useful to to lots of um, people in, in situations that I've been in before. So like, you know, Edinburgh, for example, is 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 very diverse and it's like engineering community as well. Um, so it could be really good for people in like Edinburgh and Glasgow that are working with, or any city really that are working with like a, a diverse team from, from different backgrounds. It sounds really great. What was the book called? The Culture Map. Yep, brilliant. Nice. We'll get the link to that in the description. And uh, of course, you're, you're actually an author yourself as well. I was going to mention this later in the pod, but actually <laughs> it's kind of a nice segue. But uh, do you, uh, I mean, do you, do you want to explain a little bit about, about your book and the motivations behind uh, what, why you wrote it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I really enjoy talking about this book because at some point, like I, I don't think I have ever had this dream of being a writer or publishing a book, but at some point I just felt that I have to write this book and this is the book that I absolutely have to publish. So the book tells my story of how I went from being completely non-technical to being employed as a coder within nine months. And it is two things at the same time. So number one, it's my personal story of how I did it. Uh, starting from my childhood, my background growing up in Belarus and how I didn't really have any relations to tech or computers or anything like that. And then uh, it goes all the way to me getting my first job and my second job and my third job and kind of starting to build a career in tech. And secondly, this book is also a how-to guide, a step-by-step guide for anybody who wants to teach themselves to code, anybody who wants to build a career in tech. And... um, do the same thing that I did. So the motivation for this book was that I had trouble finding books or resources written by people who were completely non-technical before they uh, taught themselves to code. And this is exactly the position where I was. So a lot of the resources that you might find online, they uh, come from people who actually have had some some, um, experience with tech before. Maybe they coded some websites when they were teenagers. Maybe they did some computer science classes in school or something like that. So I wanted to create something for somebody who had the same uh, experience growing up as I did. No connection to tech, no experience coding, no experience tinkering with anything like that. So I wanted to create a resource for somebody who was exactly like me and to show them that they don't actually need to be born in a certain family, in a certain country, or have access to some resources when growing up. Um, I wanted to show people that they can actually do it on their own, even if they don't have money to go to college or a bootcamp, because for me, I couldn't afford to go to a bootcamp when I started learning to code. There weren't that many free options back then, so I kind of had to do it on my own. And I wanted to show people that it's all possible, that if I did it, they can do it as well, to show them that they're not too old or too stupid to learn to code and give them a roadmap how they can go from zero to working in tech in big tech companies uh, like i did uh, and also share my learnings and uh, overall i would say that this is the book that i wish existed when i was learning to code i think that it would have helped me quite a lot on my journey that's the best kind of book to write the one that you wish you had and um zero zero to like employed in in nine months that's pretty insane I think it took me I'm self-taught as well and I think it took me like 18 months to two years so you must have been putting in a lot of practice um how how did you find that uh did you have a strategy to 
getting to that point so quickly? Like, what what's the secret? I guess I'm asking. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of secrets. Like one is that I at that point I was lucky that I didn't have to work and kind of could treat uh, learning as my full time thing. Uh, for that time, it wasn't um, full time, you know, for nine months. But most of the time, I was I was actually spent studying. So that was one secret. So just the amount of time. I think that if I had to work full time, this would have taken much longer. And the second thing was that I was in a position where I knew that I didn't want to do journalism anymore. So I was done with my previous career. I also knew that I had to, uh, that I really wanted to move from Belarus to Poland. And I realized that I didn't have skills that would help me find a good and well-paying job abroad. So I was in a position where I had to teach myself to code in order to be employable, in order to start a new life as quickly as possible. So this was motivating. So there was some like external pressure on me. Uh, to really get this done uh, quickly. So I think that it's good if you have, if you can put some pressure on you to uh, do this, you know, as quick as possible. Uh, if this works for you, it doesn't work for many people, but for me it did. But overall, I think that I'm good at self, self-learning. self uh, This is the way of learning that works for me. I would say that... Um, it's not for everybody. Again, a lot of people really need community and really need this external support. For me, it was difficult to learn on my own, but still I just kept doing it. Uh, I didn't really have, like, obviously there are always options, but for me, it was clear that I just have to do it. And uh, basically I just kept pushing through all the difficulties that I faced. um, And that was, I think, my main strategy. And also I knew that I had to, since I wanted to move to Poland, uh, I could only move there once I found a job. And I knew that as soon as I find a job, I can relocate and I really wanted to relocate quickly. So it also motivated me to be very aggressive when it comes to job search. It helped me cope with the imposter syndrome that a lot of people have, you know, that you are not good enough, that you are not ready to start applying for jobs. I had that as well, but also I had this thought that, you know, as soon as I get a job, I can relocate and this really motivated me so much. Um, So this informed my job search strategy in a lot of ways as well. Um, So I think that this is what helped me get a job quicker. So it took me only one and a half months to find my first job, which I think is very quick, considering the fact that I didn't have any experience, any commercial projects. I had a couple of projects on my portfolio, but honestly, they weren't that impressive. Uh, And also I was a foreigner. I was still based in another country, so there was this you know additional level of complexity on top uh but still it was you know it went pretty quickly for me what kind of um teaching training guides or um plans or curriculums if if any did you find yourself using um along the way i think amazingly enough i didn't really have a curriculum it was very ad hoc and me just jumping from tutorial to tutorial so for me, I started I started with uh, Ruby on Rails, uh, and this is still a technology that I mostly work with. So um, the Ruby on Rails tutorial is the resource that really helped me get the understand the the basics of programming to understand Ruby on Rails and how it works. I think that it took me I had to do it three times over to understand around eighty percent of it, and once I was done with that, it was easier for me to move on to other resources. What helped me was working through a lot of books, 
on coding and uh, generally I prefer books to a lot of the online resources that exist. I think that typically a book has a higher quality than some YouTube tutorial. Not always there are great YouTube tutorial and there are great online resources, but I think that average quality of a like a quality of an average book would be higher usually because there is an editor, there is a team of people working on it. So I've worked through quite a few books on Ruby on Rails, on uh, testing in Ruby on Rails, and those things really helped me take my knowledge to another level. And I did a lot of online online resources as well, um, Code Academy, uh, all of this stuff. Didn't really have a curriculum, bits and pieces of stuff that I found online, working through them on my own, um, just being guided by my intuition. And then once I've worked through a couple of books, once I had an idea of how to build a Rails app and how to write tests for, for the Rails app, this is when I started applying for jobs. And honestly, this was enough to get my first internship. So I think that the curriculum worked pretty well, even though it wasn't really organized. You just sort of uh, guided yourself um, through the... Um, like you didn't have a plan to, to begin with you just sort of went right i'm going to learn this and i'm going to see how i got on and then just like reassess at every point sort of thing yeah yeah so i knew that i need to learn the so with ruby on rails i knew that i need to learn the basics of ruby on rails so when i was working through this tutorial this is a tutorial that guides you through building a clone of a twitter app so i understood that okay if i really work through this whole thing and it's a big like it's i think it's a long very long tutorial so once I work through all of this, I will have an understanding of how to build an app, like a backend and frontend app, and to write tests for it. So I knew that once I have this, I probably have the foundations for doing other things. And then um, I think that I just found some tips online about the books that help people learn Ruby on Rails. I worked through them. I worked through books about RSpec, so the testing framework, and that that was it. So I was just uh, going with this. For me, I think it. it just made sense that I need to understand the basics and then I would be able to learn the rest on the job, which is exactly what happened. But to be honest, when I started my first job, I really saw that I knew much less than I thought I did. <laughs> so, so much of my learning really happened on the job. And this is something that I just can't emphasize enough is that you might spend a lot of time at home going through different tutorials and books and whatnot. But still, when you start working in a real company with real people, you will see that you actually don't know quite as much as you thought. And uh, getting a job is something that will accelerate your learning so much. And this is why I always tell people that they should try to get employed as quickly as they can to get that commercial experience whenever possible. It will just force them to learn so much quicker. I think even interviewing um... is, is really good to be honest, like even if you're not getting a job and you're not quite at the point where you're ready to get the job, like even interviewing is just amazing practice to firstly see how close you are to that job point and secondly, gain some of those skills uh, that are required in a commercial code base, uh, for, absolutely for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, for me, the first, my first job search was, wasn't was that much about interviewing because nobody wanted to interview me. <laughs> so only a couple of companies got back to me and talked to me. And um, so I, I can't say that I've done like a lot of interviews back then, uh, which was, I think, also a benefit because if I had to do a lot of interviews, I would be, I think, even more, 
you know, intimidated by all of it. So I did a couple of interviews and uh, I was lucky to find a company that took a chance on me and offered an internship to me. And they just said, you know, would you like to come over to Poland for the internship? And even though they didn't really make any promises or long-term commitments, so the idea was that I do this one month internship and then we, we see and we decide whether this works or not and whether I stay or not. Uh, obviously this was risky and then I was asked by other people you know by people who live in Poland like how did you weren't you afraid to come here without having any guarantees or any promises or a relocation package or a contract or something like that and for me it was obvious that I need to take this chance because it seemed like a good chance for me and I'm really glad that I did because ultimately I passed the internship and I stayed at that company for I think around eight months or so. So um, I was, I'm really glad that I took that risk. Yeah, I mean, get, getting the first job, there's just so many lessons you learn from that. And uh, I, it's an interesting point you say about staying there for, how, how long is it you said? Uh, eight months or so. Um, yeah. It's an interesting one because you never really know when to leave the first job, I find. I mean, when do you reckon it's a sweet spot? Because I, I would say anywhere, anywhere from six months can be a good idea because and to be brutal about it, like your market value goes up so much even after just six months. Um, I mean, I guess a question to both of you, actually, when do you think is the ideal time to leave that first job? Um, I think that a lot of people stay too long at their first jobs because there is this sense of um, loyalty or also gratitude and the fact that maybe you own owe them something because they took a chance on you and taught you and in a lot of ways it's true uh your first company they really take a chance on you usually when you join them you don't know anything and they spend time teaching you but then the question is whether you are still learning after that six months or eight months or however long you stay so i think it it's, it's hard to answer that question because if it is a great company and you're learning so much you like the team you like your boss and you are very happy then it's it's one story but then if you are really unhappy and the company is toxic and terrible and you're not really learning then i think the calculation is different so it depends so much on uh, the job itself but of course like you know pay is important and money is important and your value does grow significantly once you have that experience and also it becomes so much easier to find a new job with the second one so with the second one i remember almost everybody responded to my applications and i had too many interviews i just couldn't find time to go to all of them so things do change once you have the experience i guess from my perspective on that question cameron um i would try and always optimize or recommend people optimize for like whatever health healthy balance works for them um i stayed in my first job for seven years <laughs> so uh you know um that was because it was a really good place and good people and you know do you regret staying for seven years no absolutely not um um well maybe partly <laughs> maybe partly like maybe not as long as seven um but not not as short as not as short as not as short as like a few months i would say like i think it's hard to, to learn to like learn a lot in, in in a few months so i would i would recommend people like try and try and stay at least a year um but you know i guess it's just calculate for calculate for whatever work-life balance factors make you happy mm -hmm. as you say nadia if it's a toxic terrible culture 
or even if it's just not a great culture, you know, like do your sums and see what see what see what see what's happening, and 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 try not to optimize for pay. I, I would recommend, which is being the little devil's advocate a little bit to to to, to some other people's recommendations. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I think that pay is important, but also it's kind of once your needs are covered and once you're making enough, you know, I think it's been proven that making much like more money it doesn't really influence your level of happiness that much uh if your job is if you really hate your job and you just took it because of slight increase in pay then you will regret it very quickly so it is a hard decision to make when you should leave and when you shouldn't i think that changing jobs too often it you know obviously it has its benefit because you can always make you know get a pay raise like 20 30 percent easily uh if you start a company you will get you know, your pay rates won't even come close to matching the inflation, especially right now. So by staying at a company, you're actually making less and less money each year, which is insane. But at the same time, you are building your career in terms of being promoted so you can get to a senior level. And then if you are not at senior level and you change your jobs, you might likely be downgraded and uh, kind of lose a little bit of time in terms of titles. So it is it is hard i think it's a hard decision to make yeah it's it's a strange one where the norms have shifted so quickly over the matter of you know 20 to 30 years like how people would just stay it was just totally normal to just stay in the same company for um for almost your entire life i mean realistically maybe people would move like every 10 years or so um but i just think i think it's uh, i read some stat where it's like the average person under 30 uh, so I guess a zillennial, um, they consider themselves loyal to a company after they've been there six months, which I guess, you know, is maybe indicative of the uh, of the times. But yeah, thinking about it, I think for me, I left my first job after uh, in uh, as a developer, I left my first job after uh, 14 months and then the next one after... Um, after eight months, I think. And then my current one, you know, if they're listening, I'm not planning on leaving, but <laughs> I've been there nine months. Uh, but, you know, I like it there. So it's it's all good. But, um, you know, it could be it can be a valid strategy either way. And it's one of those, it's a cop-out answer from my side, but uh, it's always about the individual situation. Like my first job was brilliant. Um, I just left because of life circumstances and the fact that uh, they were using Angular and I wanted to work with React. You know, it's just little things like that that sometimes... Um, that's why you decide to move on. Like, you know, if someone came along to me and said 100K, but you've got to work with PHP uh, day in, day out, I'd, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure. Um, like, it's worth considering these things. Um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe 100K PHP. I'm not sure. How much would it take each of you to work with a, like, code base that's maybe 15 years old uh, and has not been maintained uh, and there's no documentation? How, how much salary do you think it would take? <laughs> The Coder Career Podcast is brought to you by CodeClan. As the only coding bootcamp in Scotland, CodeClan is a fantastic way for people in Edinburgh and Glasgow to learn to code in person. And if you're elsewhere in the UK, you can still benefit from their remote cohorts. With over 1,500 graduates, 70% of which get a full-time job within six months at one of CodeClan's 390 hiring partners, CodeClan is a fantastic place to make a change in your career. CodeClan is also making great strides towards reducing the gender gap in technology, with over 25% of their alumni now being female, with this rapidly growing. With average starting salaries of around £30,000, a world-class curriculum, and a forward-thinking organisation, CodeClan is the place to be. As a former senior instructor at CodeClan, 
Colin could tell us even more. Yeah, absolutely. Code Clan is an absolutely phenomenal um, place, place to be, place to work, place to study. It's a coding bootcamp and it does full-time professional software engineering and data courses. Um, the software engineering course is called the PSD and the data course is called the PDA. Um, both these courses are 12 to 16 weeks full-time. They are fully instructor-led, which is 100% instructor interaction. That's one of the things that really sets them apart from other other courses that you can take. For example, you can do quite a lot of courses online for coding and software engineering that are not instructor-led and are maybe through like a learning platform. Whereas CodeClan stuff, whether it's remote or in person, they're fully instructor-led. You can literally stop the instructor halfway through a lesson to ask a question. And, and if anything, that's actually that's actually encouraged. The whole course is designed to take someone who has very little experience all the way up to a junior software engineer, such that they're able to, to become a junior software engineer in an organization. And the course hits on all of the basics, uh, mostly around Python, JavaScript, Java, but as well as that, the software engineering principles and all of the really important fundamentals behind software engineering and coding and clean code, that all gets taught in this interactive, immersive way at CodeClan. One of the great things, other great things about CodeClan is that people often say, can, can I learn like Rust or can I learn Swift or something like that? You actually can't like learn tons and tons and tons, and tons of things on the course because there only is so much time and there only you can only fit in so many like languages and skills. But one of the great things about it is that it gives you the ability to learn those things later on. It doesn't just say here, here's React and here's JavaScript and whatever else and then off you go. The instructors that you, you get on, on CodeClan are, are so helpful and they're so good at knowing exactly what people are thinking and feeling at various points in the course because it is a very intensive course. Um, but at least there's between two to four instructors per class and that's for both remote classes and in-person classes. And everyone learns in the, in the cohort at the same pace, which is excellent. It's really good to know that, for example, the way that they teach on the course, which is so important to me, the way that they teach is that they, they use a lot of what we called code-alongs. And a code-along is where an instructor kind of quite slowly and methodically codes out something in front of the class, whether it's on Zoom or in person in the classroom. And then the class slowly like code that thing together. We call that a code-along. And that's actually a really powerful way to learn because you're seeing the actual coding process happen in front of you, but you're also being taught at the same time. And as a participant, as a student, what you can actually do is you can stop and you can have a conversation and you can ask questions. CodeClan is kind of a life-changing thing. I've seen dozens and dozens and hundreds of people go through it in the time that I was there. And it was genuinely, genuinely life-changing for, for every single one of them. Um, they managed to you know get jobs as software engineers, you know, junior software engineers in the industry. And even now, uh, being a couple of years uh, ago that I worked there, I know many of the people I know are now mid mid level kind of senior level engineers. So it's having a huge impact on people's lives and in a way that I couldn't even I couldn't even describe. It's pretty awesome. Um, to get more information about CodeClan, go to codeclan.com and slash events, codeclan.com slash events to learn more and to register for a workshop. The workshops that they do are kind of like a way of you figuring out if you want to come along to CodeClan and, and, and join and join up and, and, and do the course. 
and it's a really great way of figuring out if if this is the sort of thing that's going to be useful to you please give it a try if you're thinking about it i highly recommend it it's absolutely fantastic genuinely life-changing yeah it's it's a tricky question uh, i think that i think that your happiness as a programmer is very important so i think so i've worked with ruby all my you know programming life and uh, i've just felt so blessed to have a chance to work with this language because the thing that people say about Ruby is that it's optimized for making the programmer happy and kind of staying out of their way. And I think that I have this emotional attachment to this language that because it was the first language and the first programming thing you know, that I could understand. And for me, of course, it was important that there is something that I, as a non-technical person, can grasp. And then once I understood Ruby, other things, other languages were... Um, easier to to understand so i think that if you absolutely hate the framework or language then you should really you know think deeply whether you will be able to um distance yourself from it and just work and don't, don't care about it because i know that a lot of people treat it this way they say okay i hate this framework but still they work with it and they are not emotionally invested in this they're just doing their job but then if you are you know feel really passionately about hating PHP or something like that, then, <laughs> you know, then maybe you won't be happy even if you're paid 100K. So it, I think it, a lot of it is uh, just being honest with you, with yourself and being honest whether you are, you know, in the first camp of people or the second one and making decisions depending on what you like. So I think it, a lot of it is just doing whatever works for you and not for somebody else. Speaking yeah. as an old timer, um, slightly compared to both of you anyway <laughs> um this is an interesting discussion though like because people didn't used to this is like a modern this is a modern dilemma that we that we never had like 15 years ago right like so you'd, you'd go into a company and you would you would apply for a job not based on what tech stack there was available because the tech stack wouldn't be an option, right? The, like there, there's, there's, there used to not be very many options around what technology you work with. You know, if you're working with stuff that was like running on a physical heart, like physical computer, like PC applications or whatever, it would be like C plus plus, and it would be C sharp maybe a little bit. And if it was like a little bit of web stuff, it would maybe be it would maybe be PHP, it would maybe be a little bit of JavaScript. But you wouldn't have a choice, right? Like this this idea that we're having this discussion about like optimizing for a situation where you're happy as a programmer because you're like, I love this tech stack or I love this technology on a, as you say, Nadia, on a sort of like quite deeply emotional level, right? Like, because it, 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 it does happen that we as programmers become attached to technologies that we like, like, like or love or, or have like, used for the first time and they've taught us so much so it's quite interesting because there's like one camp of software engineering like doctrine which says detach, detach yourself as much as possible from the technology that you're working with and like i think that is a good good advice to be a good engineer is like I, like and i and i think i recommend people to always try and do that but at the same token there there is always that little voice in your head going i don't want to work with this technology I don't want to work with this technology, <laughs> you know. So I think you've just yeah. got to balance it out. Interesting debate, though. Interesting discussion. Just yeah. never, never a thing years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the beauty of the times that we live in that there is such an abundance of jobs and technologies and just so much choice that 
we can all try to find something that works for us. And at the same time, the number of companies that are hiring, the different types of companies. And now with everybody working remotely, there is, you know, there are more options than there were before. So I think that it's a great time to work in tech. Um, even, you know, considering kind of the current economic situation, it's still such an amazing time to break into the industry and trying to find your job, your first job. Uh, so much choice. And I think that everybody can try to find something that suits them. Yeah, it's such a good time to work in tech, considering this is apparently one of the worst times in tech since 2008 in the dot-com bubble. We still are having loads of great jobs out there for juniors and seniors alike. And, um, you know, it, I wouldn't hesitate if, if you're someone, I know we have a lot of listeners who are actually not even necessarily written a line of code yet. They're just thinking about getting into um, the area. It's, you know, don't be, don't be nervous about the headlines uh, about these things. Like a job in, a job in tech is as safe as it gets realistically. Like, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not nice to think about like the economy when things are going wrong, but you're going to be pretty stable um, in technology. And if you, if you can keep up to date with the skills, then um, you know, you're not going to have an issue. And uh, that being said, you don't need to be studying the 10 new JavaScript frameworks that come out each week. Um, I just do that because I'm a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that a lot of people worry too much about the, if you follow the news, you get anxious and uh, you might feel very um, that you don't have any power, you know, like hope, you can feel hopelessness about everything. And just why would I learn something and start applying for jobs if it's a recession and there are no jobs and everybody's getting, getting laid off all over the place. Uh, engineers are losing their jobs. But I think that that's uh, kind of the point of the news cycle uh, to create uh, you know, news that cause uh, anxiety and sensation. But then uh, on a deeper level for each of us, we need to focus on our own goals and our own uh, aspirations in career. So what I like to think about is that, okay, it might be hard to find uh, a job right now because this is a recession, but like I just need one job, right? I don't need a million jobs. So if I'm thinking of me uh, and my career and my goals, I need to do everything that I can to find the best job that I can to have my skills ready, to have my resume ready, ready to have my social presence and to do everything that I can to find that job and then just trust the process that I will find something uh, for me. I don't think that there is stability anywhere in life like it's always risky as we have seen recently you can have the best paying job in a top like tech a big tech company and then one day you wake up and you don't have a job anymore so it's very easy to go from 100k to 0k in one day uh, but still i think that learning the technical skills can make you much more resilient in times like this and something that can give you much more stability than if you don't have those skills yeah, learning to code, it's almost like the new degree. Like for our, for our parents' generation, I feel like getting the degree from university was just like the golden ticket. Whereas now I feel like if you know how to code decently well enough to get a job, like you are sorted, basically, as long as you are able to like roughly keep up, um, you know, with, uh, with, with the new-ish technologies. It's not even like you need to know, like I said earlier, it's not like you need to learn every single brand new thing. Just as long as you like, keep up to date with stuff that uh, that is trending in the last five years so you don't end up accidentally stuck using 90s technology now um you know i think it's one of those one of those things that is 
I hate to use the phrase sure bet because it's not a sure bet. It's, there's never a sure bet, but uh, it is a very, very, very strong bet. It's certainly one of the most um, reliable careers you can get into. And how many other high paying careers are there out there that you can just transition into into doing it like from a completely unrelated thing like you were a journalist i was a recruiter um you know they're completely unrelated to what we're now doing day to day like you couldn't be like a high-end lawyer you couldn't be a high-end investment banker by just career changing into it like that that's the beauty of this industry yeah i think that it's incredible and this is why i enjoy mentoring and coaching people who want to get into tech is that I see the power, the transformative power of coding that somebody can experience once they learn to code. And for me, this is a transformation that I saw, uh, you know, in terms of my career, in terms of how much more money I started making very quickly and how easy it is to navigate this space. If you really want to make a lot of money, there are ways to do that. Uh, There are ways to, you know, really study really hard and get into a company like Google or Facebook and make a lot of money working for somebody then you can also have the skill of coding and you can start your own company and become successful this way and also i've seen that coding is this sort of magical skill that can also take you around the world uh, like it did for me and for so many other people Uh, if you have coding skills it's very easy to actually relocate to a lot of the companies around the world And to do that, you don't need to go to school and get a degree. You don't need to have anyone's permission. So this space is permissionless. You just need to learn and then you get hired and you work for a little bit and then nobody will ever care about your degree or where you studied or how you studied. They will just look at your experience and then, you know, people will be ready to actually pay money to sponsor your visa, to move your, you and your family to another country so that just you can work for them. And it's it's still pretty incredible to me uh, how much this skill transformed my life. And I see other people, other people's lives been transformed by it as well. And it's just something that always makes me really happy. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. I want to talk about your book, um, Crossing the Rubicon, How to Learn yep. to Code and Build a Programming Career. Um, this sounds like a really exciting book, actually. Um and I'm reading the little description on beetlehope.gumroad.com. And it says, this book debunks popular misconceptions about being a programmer. Could you just give us an overview of your book and, and ask, answer the question? Just give us a sneak preview if you can. What kind of misconceptions? Uh, yeah, so there is a chapter there that is about the misconceptions about being a coder. And also, I call it the excuses that people make to avoid being a coder. So for me, when I started learning to code, I had a lot of internal resistance uh, to this process because I never saw myself doing this. So uh, a couple of misconceptions that people have is that, for instance, you really need to start learning to code very young or else you will never be successful. Um, Hmm, Also that you have to be a genius in math and sciences to be a programmer because there is this misconception that you need to be a math with to be a successful programmer um, and also that this is a very solitary occupation and that you need to be an introvert in order to be a successful programmer somebody who is just sitting in their cave coding and um, that if you are outgoing and more extroverted then you will never be successful in this career um, basically things like that a lot of them is just about 
you know, me being not smart enough to learn to code. People sometimes, people that I talk to who are outside of tech, they often have this idea that this is such, that web development is just such an incredibly complex field that they will never ever be able to understand it because it's something that is like rocket science and they're too stupid. But then if you actually ask them what they're doing, they're actually working in a job that is very complex, uh, but in a different field, right? So clearly they're intelligent and they mastered uh, a difficult skill, but they don't really understand that coding and specifically web development is just another skill that they need to master, that it's not rocket science and that they will be able to learn it much quicker than they think. So um, I think that the biggest problem here is that people just never try because they're too scared. Wow. Okay, got you. I've came across a lot of similar situations when teaching people um, coding and getting into tech and stuff like that. And there's almost like a barrier of like, of your brain. Like I see, I see people like look over the shoulder of doing something and that are like completely non-technical and you go right to try and explain something to, to, to you. But there's almost sometimes like a, like a, like a, a barrier that, that, that this conception of I'm never going to be able to do that causes you're trying to bounce ideas into someone's into someone's brain, try to feed information to their brain, trying to get them understand concepts, but they're never going to get to that point because they they never believe that they can do it because they think that it's some sort of mad, insane science for like only extreme like extremely like technical wizards. So the people that are like people that have like aerials coming out of their out of their out of their their eyeballs and like are have a usb socket on like the back of their head and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it's just like it's just not true as, as, you, as you say like any yeah. anyone can anyone can do it you just have to just learn it like any other discipline yeah exactly the i've had the same experience people like when you start to explain something to people they're like okay i'm not technical i will never get it and I used to be the same way as well. So uh, before I started learning to code, actually, um, I received this advice to learn um, HTML. It was a couple of years before I started learning to code. And I looked at some tutorial of, you know, about HTML and CSS, and I gave up very quickly because I was like, this is too hard. I have no idea what this is. And I think that there was a lot of resistance inside me that there is no way for me to understand it. Uh, so this is one thing. But another thing is that I didn't really see a practical application of this stuff. It seemed complex, but I didn't understand like why I need to understand this complex thing. So yeah. I think that it's important. It's very important to have a goal, like why are you learning it? If you want to change careers like quickly, then there is this motivation. If you are just doing it for fun, like, like for some people, like they see like the first tutorial about coding and they just become, you know, hooked on this and they're like okay this is fascinating i just do it for fun but for a lot of people especially learning when they're older like it doesn't look that fun and they don't they don't see a point in this so i think that there is this problem as well yeah absolutely um tell us a little bit more about your book just in general yeah um yeah so as i said it's two things it's kind of my personal story it's the how-to guide for anybody who wants to do what i did so there I um, start from the ground up, like talking about what kinds of programmers you can be, how you can learn to code, go through a step-by-step process that I had when learning to code. Um, then there is a chapter about finding a job. I think it's uh, a really great chapter. So I go there, you know, I talk there about the building a LinkedIn profile, the resume, the portfolio, a website, and all of that stuff, how to apply for jobs, share my strategy, how I applied for jobs, and how my process 
about you know of looking for my first job looked like uh, you know in in a lot of details and then uh, i also share about my experience working as a programmer so i published a book uh, a year and a half ago so by then i had some experience uh, working in tech and i just share my learnings and my tips for people who maybe already found their first job but they're finding themselves overwhelmed and not sure what's happening so I wanted to share some of my learnings and things that I wish somebody told me before I started learning to code, but sadly nobody did. <laughs> so um, I do that. So there is a chapter about the my advice for new programmers and how they can succeed. So you can Great. be That's that person great. and and write and write that book that you should have had. So um, yeah, that sounds <laughs> fantastic. People people can get it on Gumroad, right? Yep. Brilliant. Yeah. If people aren't familiar, that's a super easy marketplace. And if you're selling any kind of software or any kind of on online product, then um, it is actually, we're not sponsored by them or anything, but uh, yeah, Gumroad is actually brilliant. Um, I don't know how your experience yeah. has been with, with them, but from what I, from what I've seen and what, how I've dealt with them, um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it is very easy to use. Uh, it is brilliant. The only issue is that not all people, not, not people around the world, not everybody around the world is familiar with this platform. So some people are a little bit um, anxious when they see a link to it so for them it's easier to buy on amazon so um i found my book on amazon as well mm -hmm. okay cool cool so it's available on, on uh on both platforms we'll have links to those in the description yeah. uh and then as well i think people can actually uh last time i checked your site you can actually book in a coaching call with you around the uh, uh the global talent visa right as well yeah 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 so what i've started doing recently is that i've started off offering coach calls uh, around the process of getting the global talent visa so the global talent visa is this uh incredible visa for software developers and other it professionals that can allow anyone to come to the uk it's actually not only for it professionals it's for artists uh and researchers and scientists and um actors and singers and like whole uh you know, a whole bunch of professions are actually uh, eligible, but I, I kind of, uh, my expertise is around tech. So this is what I advise people on. So yeah, uh, there is a possibility to book a call with me where we can talk about the strategy that you can use to build a strong case for the visa, which documents you need, which documents you're still missing and how you can build a strong case for the visa. I actually uh, prepared the documents for my application myself uh, and was uh, endorsed for this visa this summer which is super exciting. It was my goal for this year to make the switch from my previous visa to this one. And it's just been such a great experience uh, finally having it. But the process of getting it was really complex. I didn't go to uh, any lawyers. I wanted to do it on my own uh, to go through the process and research everything on my own. It was fun, but also it took me months and it took like all of my weekends and all of my evenings were just spent doing the visa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm now trying to give back a little bit and help people who don't want to spend that much time. But also if you want to do it yourself, like you can do it totally. There is a lot of information online. It's just that it will take time. And that's, I think the, the biggest kind of issue with the visa, but overall the process is, uh, very intense. It's certainly the hardest visa that I've ever had to apply for. 
Yeah, it does, it does sound tough. So definitely worth people checking out uh, your uh, your coaching if they're considering that. But yeah, I mean, uh, on behalf of both of us, I'm sure Colin will thank you as well. But um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really awesome uh, and interesting chat. And um, I've already learned a lot. And uh, yeah, your story is super inspiring. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people at Learns Code right now that are listening um, to, to, the, uh, to the show will, uh, you know, be straight on to VS Code and, and coding away. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. It was fun talking to you. Great to meet you, Nadia. Thanks for coming on. Cool. Thanks. I'm just going to press stop recording now. Um... <laughs>